start with some resources, as we always do, and then we're going to jump into a really exciting passage. It's grown. <laughs> yeah. Kirk and I, as we prepared for this passage, we realized... Wait, let's tell them the background a little bit. Like, Okay. So we, we sat down last year and like just like structured out the rest of the book of Acts. Whole book. So that we know like where we're... Where we're going each week. Um, so we always get together on like Tuesday or Wednesday and talk about the passage for the night. It, this is not the first time that we talk about the passage. As surprising as that might seem to some of y'all, um, we do talk about it before. And so uh, we did that and we were like, why in the world did we do the verses the way that we did? <coughs> It was, it was really confusing. Yeah. yeah. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it. We'll talk about it when we get to it. But anyway, it has gotten bigger so we're doing since more. it was this morning. Yeah. And I'm excited because it's really exciting. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's exciting. <laughs> Matt, let's not record all this right now. We're going to cut we'll this cut out later. Out. <laughs> you guys checking out the podcast? Anybody Are you listening to it on Wednesday Nights Live and then podcasting <laughs> it again on Thursdays while you're on like the spin bike, spin class, like you're listening to late night It's again. so good that they're listening <laughs> to it again. Oh, man. Spin, That's good. Spin class. Spinning. Um, <clears throat> do you have any resources for us tonight? I do. <clears throat> please share. Please share them. Um, we might have shared this one before, but if we did, it's been a long time. It's a really short little book. Um, it's got a yellow cover. It's by a guy named J.D. Greer, and it's mm. called Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. It's good. Um, and it's a really, really, really great book um, that addresses um, some terminology issues and some fears that arise uh, from – um, kind of this idea of, you know, um, conversion, really. conversion. Yeah. yeah. How are we saved? Yeah. So I would recommend that really great book. Stop asking Jesus into your heart by a guy named JD Greer. He's the pastor of the summit church in Raleigh and it's really short. It's probably really inexpensive. I would bet, venture to guess it's under, you know, like $12 on Amazon or something like that. Yeah. That's um, good. Check it out. That's good. So I'll stay in the same field. I had a couple in my mind. And yours has led me to choose mine. So um, I want to recommend a book called Finally Alive, um, Finally Alive by John Piper. It's a book about conversion and the work of God and salvation. I think both of these books are hugely helpful in some ways to the conversation that we're going to have tonight with part of the passage that we're looking at, um, but also just our theology of of salvation and uh, the work of God through um, through redemption and, and how that takes place. And so, man, hugely helpful resources. Does anybody I, have either one of those books? I have both of them. Me too. <laughs> yes, I <coughs> Tough crowd tonight. Yeah. They're both really good. Mm, indeed. As is everything we recommend. The best. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go to Acts chapter 15. Um, they're not as good as the scriptures, though. No. In all all seriousness, a mentor of mine in college he used to say, which we're doing the exact opposite every week, but like he's, he said, I never recommend books to anybody. And he would say that, he goes, because we don't, he, his fear was is that, that he would make more of other books instead of, of reading the scriptures. And uh, Which I don't I think you know, that we do. Yeah, no, no. Because no, we no, spend no, about three minutes 
you know, kind of like in the messing next around, hour in the and then, yeah, and then we spend the next hour. Uh, reading. Yeah, but but certainly, uh, certainly that would be our our conviction as well. So, so what's been going on in Acts? Well, the Jerusalem Council is behind us. Yes. So there, we decided we didn't decide, but they decided that. <clears throat> the salvation is good enough by the work of Jesus alone that yep. we don't need to supplement it with works of the law, circumcision, or any other work of the law is not needed to be a Christian. Yeah. But Jesus' grace by faith alone is enough. And we talked about how, you know, this is an issue that kind of arose through some dissension that was being sown by a particular party, the the party of the circumcision, the you know, the 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 Pharisees of the circumcision yeah. or whatever. Um, and then this council develops around, or in response to that with just this true, honest, genuine desire to do what's right. Right. right? And yeah. so they spent some time, you know, kind of conversating around these, um, these real like challenging issues, yeah. right. In light of, um, what has taken place most recently and everything in God's people's history that's led them up to this point. And right. so, um, I think that's, that's something that's been neat is to see, um, the framework transformed for a lot of these guys who desire to like truly submit themselves to God's will right. and the work of the gospel. Yeah. So this letter, they write this letter that says that basically, and then there's we talked about these these other issues uh, that they put in the letter of, of uh, you know uh, things that they're going to eat, things that they're not going to eat, this sort of thing as a way to uh, be sensitive to to people who um, uh, maybe were, were were weaker in some aspects of, of theology there, and um, so there's this sensitivity to. The, um, the the cultural and even um, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe the cultural distinctives as they were for those who were uh, Jewish and, and and those who were Gentiles. Mm-hmm. We're gonna see that come up again tonight. So we've got this issue going on all all the while. The Spirit continues to work through the obedience and the proclamation of the gospel through the apostles and through the, these witnesses and, and, and missionaries who are um, just being obedient to Christ and the Great Commission, and the church is growing. The gospel is advancing, and tonight that's really where we pick up yeah. um, in verse 36. So we're going to read from chapter 15. Verse 36, all the way through chapter 16, verse 15. Yeah, and there's a few sections here that we've yeah. we've already divided up. Yeah. So um, <coughs> we're going to start with what Andrew and I, the conversation that we had this morning was really, why in the world did we not read this portion of chapter 15 last week? Um, it probably would fit better. <laughs> In what we saw last week, and so hence we spent a little bit of time connecting, right. connecting some dots to what we saw last week. Yeah. So that's really going to be our first, um, our first section is the conclusion of chapter fifteen, which um, we're not going to spend a great deal of time discussing. Um, we're just going to kind of make some historical observations <laughs> on kind of what's going yeah. on. And then, and then in chapter sixteen, if you look in your Bibles, the first five verses are are the next section that we're going to look at, and then. I don't know. In my Bible, the sections actually break down this way. So yeah. we're going to look at verses 1 through 5 and what Paul um, 
and Timothy do in that section. Then in verses 6 through 10, we're going to see what's uh, known as the Macedonian call. The call to go into a certain area to begin to preach the gospel. And then the last section is verses 11 through 15, where we meet this lady named Lydia. Mm, And a wonderful story. We have a Lydia here tonight. Um, And... uh, Here's what I know is that Lydia, both Lydia's have the same story of conversion, right? Probably two different places. We're going to learn about this Lydia's tonight and, man, a beautiful story of just the work of God in, in her life. So yeah. um, I'm excited about these sections. I am too because I think that there are some questions that arise. Uh, so we talked about why, one reason why the first section is there. There's also a reason that the last section is there because when we looked at this morning, we said, okay, originally we were supposed to do verses 36 through 40. And apparently Andrew and I were like concussed when we came up with that structure for this passage. Um, And then we kind of went on through this first section through the the end of the Macedonian call, verse 10. But we really have to have verse 11 through 15 um, to to understand the Macedonian call. There's going to be some questions that we probably are going to have. Um, as we read through, that the text answers for us. So that's really neat that we're going to see that. To be honest, we could go all the way through the end of chapter 16 because Lydia is just the first of three conversion encounters that we find in this section. They're all miraculous. They're all wonderful that we'll get to this week and next. So Kirk's going to read for us. I still have my call, as Kirk predicted last week. Yeah. Um, So I'm going to let him read. I would, I'm going to continue to cough. I would love to. Kindly cough that direction if you hit. <coughs> Excuse um, me. Awesome. Hey, let's look at Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 36, uh, and we'll work through the first half of uh, chapter 16. And some days, and, and after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought it best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And and there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Uh, But Paul chose Silas and departing, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And they went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Paul came also to Derbe and Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way throughout uh, the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith, And they increased in numbers daily. And they went through the region of Phygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysra, they attempted to go to Bethania, 
but the Spirit did not allow them. So passing by Myesra, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing there, urging him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on to Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samothrace, and the following day to uh, Naples. And from there to uh, Philippi, Philippi, which is, I should have practiced all the words. These words are challenging. I should have practiced them all. Uh, Which which is a leading city of the district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. We remained in this city some days, and on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and spoke to the woman who had come, uh, women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Tyria, a seller of purple goods who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay as she uh, as she and stay and as and she prevailed uh, upon us. Is that as far as we're going? I think so. That's it. <clears throat> Let's pray together. Lord, thanks for um, your word and our time together tonight. We pray that you would um, just open our eyes and our hearts to the truth of your word, um, that you might glorify yourself in our presence, and that we might seek to uh, apply uh, what we've read here tonight as you would have us to in our lives. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. 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 So we see this whole passage, um, <clears throat> how the Spirit continues to advance the gospel through the lives of his uh, missionaries, his apostles, um, to begin... Um, you know, just just uh, the the, life, the the work of the gospel in new lives, um, and God's power seen in, in in many many ways through this passage. So this first section in verses thirty six through forty one is um, this disagreement between Paul and Barnabas to the point that they separate. Mm. Um, there's a lot of questions that we could ask about this passage. That, to be honest, we just don't know the answers to. Um, but they separate over this guy named John Mark, who had at one point left them um, earlier in Acts. And the disagreement is over um, whether John Mark's part of the team now and he can go with them. And uh, Barnabas wants to take him, right? He wants him to be a part. And Paul says, no way. Yeah, yeah. Paul seems uh, a bit more hesitant to take John Mark in light of his yeah. leaving early from the last trip, right? right? Kind of yeah. your classic case of uh, – Hey, Mission man. trip ends on Sunday Sunday afternoon, but you want to leave on Sunday morning, right? <laughs> yeah. Which we've all, yeah. uh, which I've experienced before, and um, and, yeah. and Paul says, "No, man, you left us. You deserted us. Actually, yeah, um, is the way. It's the words are even stronger than that. Um, he had withdrawn from them, <laughs> and uh, and Barnabas wants him to go, and Paul says, "No." Now we were talking earlier today, man. I've heard sermons through this passage, and it's like you know, <clears throat> hey, sometimes. 
disagreement, like gospel expansion through disagreement and this kind of stuff. Yeah. And like, you know, I don't know that we want to make too much. We don't want to use this passage as support for like church splitting. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Or like hey, sometimes it's just the best thing. Yeah. Right? Like, just break the break. I don't, the I don't know. But what we do know is that, um, is that they do split up. Um, and that they seem to be okay with splitting up. That, that, that it, there is, in fact, um, a lot of fruit that's bore from them going on two different trips, obviously just because they cover more territory. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I heard somebody once say, say, say one time that, you know, we should have the judgment of Paul, but the heart of Barnabas. And we want to be forgiving and we don't want to like just, hey, man, you crossed me one time, you're gone forever kind of a guy. But also that we want to be wise, yeah. you know, and that, look, this is serious work. And, yes. Um, you know, I want to make sure that, you know, if you're, you're going to, you're going to play on the, the right team. Yeah. So we don't want to read too much into it, but we, we can look at it from the point of Paul. We can look at it from the point of Barnabas and then we can look at it from the point of Mark. Right. Yeah. To which case like, I think we would, maybe he was like, dude, I just messed up. I'm yeah. Sorry. Which <laughs> you would like, you almost imagine like given his desire to go back, yeah. right. That there's this, you know, there's yeah. this realization and even perhaps repentance right. from like, you know, yeah. this previous decision. And we, Undoubtedly, left exactly, in a and we should situation. say that later on in Acts, Paul does. He does. I forget what chapter it is, but he does come around, and and they're okay. They're yeah. not. They're not beefing forever. Yeah. Um. Over this. So. So this is that first. <clears throat> this first little section. Um. And I'm then, glad we didn't do just that section, or we would be <laughs> done right now. <laughs> you guys are maybe like, what was wrong with that? Like, <laughs> it's only nine twenty. So. Um. So anyway, then we go to chapter 16, and we see in verses 1 through 5 that Paul and Silas um, come to this place called Derby, and they meet um, from Derby to Lystra, and they meet there, uh, man, a wonderful, wonderful guy that we're going to come to love and appreciate as we read our New Testaments, and that's Paul, uh, Timothy. Yeah. Timothy, this guy who uh, comes from a, a bit of a diverse family. Um, Certainly so. Yeah, his mom and, and grandmother, as we learn about in 2 Timothy, are godly women, love the Lord, Christians, but his dad is is not that at all. His dad is um, a Greek, a based Greek. on what we get from this passage. Yeah, so um, <clears throat> anyway, there's there's a bit of uh, a bit of information about um, Timothy, but we do find out here that that Paul and Silas are continuing to circulate this letter from Acts chapter 15. Yeah, that they're doing the work of getting the good news of what was decided at, at Jerusalem Council to these new places, and by doing that, they they meet Timothy, who's well spoken of. Verse two. Um, and then verse 3. <laughs> now, there's a bit of, I don't know what we call it, maybe tension here, that the whole point of the Jerusalem Council was what? Is that you don't have to be circumcised. Yeah. And then Paul takes Timothy in verse 3, and he circumcises him because of because of some of the tension that, that they were saying, look, not, in the not a doctrinal issue, but a cultural issue. Yeah, yeah, which we were talking about <coughs> earlier, and I made the comment, man, like, maybe Paul was just still a little bit ticked off about the whole John Mark thing. Yeah. <laughs> so he rolls into town, he's like, oh, okay, right. like, I'm about to take out some yeah. frustration. You know, a lot of people think Timothy is this timid guy that, you which, know, Which would you not like, be either if, like, Paul rolled in with this kind well, of like, attitude? I don't know that he is, because here he is, he's got to be around 20, who, like, 
allows this to happen. Like yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's like, no, we should do this for the sake of the gospel. And we're kind of joking at it because there is a tone of, of humor you here. Have to but also, man, up. it's so like, it is, does it not speak volumes <laughs> to a guy named, to a guy like Timothy to go, you know what? Like for the sake of the gospel, even though, even though doctrinally we realize that we're good with this for the sake of the gospel, you know, this becoming all things, all people, you know, I'll, I'll do this. And, um, so this happens verse four, and then they go on, um, they go on ministering, spreading the good news of the results of the Jerusalem council. Verse five. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in numbers daily. So Paul and Silas pick up a teammate and man, things are going good. Yeah. I mean, ministry is increasing. Paul and Timothy are, are this, you know, this wonderful team that we see the rest of the new Testament in some ways is, is, is initiated here in Acts chapter 16. And isn't um, there this, it's cool and it's refreshing to see this trust from the churches with the decision that the Jerusalem council, like under the leadership and guidance yeah. of God's spirit yeah. have come to, right? right. That right. there isn't. And I think that's something that we don't necessarily <clears throat> see a lot today. A couple of weeks ago, um, just to kind of like contextualize it for us, there was a document released called the Nashville statement, right? Which was, uh, you guys can go and you can check it out. We talked about it at D group and said, this is going to be a big thing. Like go and familiarize yourself with it because it's going to be a point of conversation. Right, but it's this it's this document. How would you best describe it, Andrew? On uh, yeah, it's a it's a document that articulates an evangelical stance on sexuality and uh, so called same sex marriage and uh, issues of, of <clears throat> gender and um, sexuality. Yeah, just all kind of, informed by the yeah. scriptures, right? And, and held to for hundreds of years, right? And one thing that you will see and notice is that there is. Uh, a lot of disagreement, right, in Christendom, right, uh, about this issue, right? Yeah. And it's almost – it's encouraging to see here this unity like within the body of Christ, right. you know, to, to – to submit themselves to and to embrace the truths of this document that are being circulated yeah. as we see in our day, right. circulation of a document affirming certain truths right. as it relates to God's design mm-hmm. for sexuality yeah. affirmed by scripture and embraced by the church historically, you know, and that yeah. being such a hot topic. You know, and this is so timely because we live in a world, as you guys know, that is all about, um, is, hey, hey, um, Pushing, pushing, you know, culture and, and your personal culture onto the culture and and onto everybody and and everybody should be cool with that and, and we're all just about. But what we see here is that the only thing that should matter is us pushing the gospel onto mm-hmm. the culture. Mm-hmm. Like I don't want to push my culture onto your culture. Like to be honest, like who cares? Like like it, that doesn't matter. There's one thing that matters, and it seems like that even Timothy, with you know what, like uh, I'll, I'll I'll be circumcised. I'll do this thing so that I can not be a stumbling block. Because one thing matters above all is that I want to get the gospel to these people. Um, what God has said and what God <clears throat> has done is the yeah. prevailing driving right. force. And we see that to continue that continuing to go through um, just through the work of ministry here in Acts chapter 16. So let's just pause here and say that that is hugely, hugely helpful for us as we are citizens of a community, students on a campus, members of local churches, 
um, all called to the same mission, different context for which we are doing that. That one thing prevails above all, and it's you getting the gospel to those without hindrance. Mm. <laughs> so if you need to check some preferences or some of your own culture at the door to do that, then Timothy lays a great example for us here. To you know what, you should probably do that. Yeah, because you know? really this preference, right? I prefer not. Yeah, yeah. Be circumcised, right? right? So great example. I'll give you an example. I got some friends I went to college with that live in India now. They're 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 running a business there trying to reach um Indian people with the, the gospel. And like they every single day, like they give themselves to the culture of um the the city that they live. So they dress like the Indian people. Um they eat the foods that they do. They, I mean, so like the point is this, is that you may have to sit on the floor to have a conversation with a Muslim, right? If so, like sit on the floor. I mean, like, like check that at the door. You, you get what we're saying. Yes. Um, and, and Paul and Timothy as well as Silas here continue to, to just show us wonderfully what it looks like to be gospel driven without um, framework type issues holding you back. I want to add one more thing to that because it isn't always like just, okay, this is what it looks like to engage, um, you know, a a Mormon or a Muslim with the gospel, right? Which is going to require me maybe to like check the caffeine and to sit on the floor, right? Right. But what does it look like to begin uh, engaging uh, people of various ethnic backgrounds around you, regardless of re- religious affiliation, right? Um, I'll never forget Andrew and I and Neil Aubrey, who many of you guys know, went to an Acts 29 um, church planting in the Southeast Conference a handful of years ago. And there we heard a guy named Brian Laredis talk about um, his pastoring of a local church in Memphis. Is that where he is? In Memphis, okay, and he's he, he, Brian's an African American guy who's ministering to a uh, city that has a lot of diversity um, within it, and he talked about his desire and willingness to engage with those of a Caucasian background <clears throat> within his fellowship and within his community, and he said, in order for me to do that, I took up duck hunting, right? He was like, it is not my desire to sit in a duck blind and shoot at birds in the air. Like, that's just not something that I was like super initially hyped it's kind of a to do. But what we see, yeah, it's kind of, yeah, you know? And so, but what he said was in order to engage the culture around me and to engage them and connect with them and to share the gospel with them, disciple them, this was a practice that I took up. And so a question might be, whether we're talking about connections with various religious affiliations, what does it look like for you to begin engaging with people who are different than you, where you might um, have to check certain cultural preferences or you might have to embrace preferences that aren't actually like super exciting to you initially yeah absolutely be that duck hunting or whatever right that was a great that was a great connection and the cool thing is is that there are ways that we can do that to begin to connect with people um so so look for those yeah Uh, moving right along we get to verse six of acts chapter 16 um and there's this well, well let's read it and they went through the region um, and, and here's the deal. They're wanting to, Paul, Paul's about to take the gospel to Asia and, um, the spirit basically says no. And then it kind of closes a door here, but through this dream, 
um, he gets this Macedonian call to to come to Macedonia and to help us. I love the end of verse nine, man. Come and help us, right? That evangelism is is the ultimate helping of people. But um, but so he gets this call to to not go to Asia, to come to Macedonia. Then verse ten, when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we saw to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay. Man, this is good news, right? That that, and I think there's a lot to a lot to learn here. Um, that 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 sometimes God uses the opening and the closing of doors to lead us to where He wants us, when He wants us to engage, who He wants us, and we see that here with with a, a, a very clear door closed of going to Asia and one um, opening to go to. Um, to go to Macedonia. Yeah, and when we when we talked about this earlier, one thing that that I know that I've heard before, questions that I've heard from this passage is why did the spirit prevent them from going to Asia and instead in, like lead them towards Macedonia? Like why not, like why not go to Asia? Like that was a question that I've that I've been presented before. I'm sure you have too. Perhaps it's a question that you have thought. Right. Why would the Spirit not allow them to go to Asia and instead encourage them to go this other direction? Which led us to the continuation of our passage tonight, going into this last section, right. which really answers that question yeah. uh, for us. Yeah. We said that look, like we're going to read in a second the conversion of Lydia. That it's evident that God God was doing a work in in um, uh, where's that? Philippi, in Philippi, in Thyatira. Where he meets Lydia and, and preaches that, that, that he was preparing hearts there, that he was ready to do a work. Um, I, I thought about the the parable of the soils that God knows the soil yeah. and He knows um, the timing of His work. And we, we said this the last couple of weeks that God's going to do what He's going to do when He's going to do it, and He uses us to do that. And I think there's a lesson here to be learned in how we're to be sensitive to where God's calling us and when He's calling us to, to go there. Like yeah. like think about this, y'all. Like God uses different circumstances in our lives to guide us where he wants us in ministry, right? You think, well, hang on, I'm a student in West Georgia. Well, in larger part, he sent you to West Georgia and not, um, I don't know, you're not a student at UGA or Georgia Southern. You're a student at West Georgia, which leads me to believe that he's got you at West Georgia for a reason. The door was opened for you to come here for the purpose of, of all these things that we're seeing through Acts. So don't miss that. Yeah, because I know it's the temptation is as college students to begin asking questions as you're paying for all these classes and trying to figure out when in the world you're going to get out of this place. Like, what does the Lord have for me next? Yeah. And in asking that question a lot of the time, I think we miss what, we what does he now? have for me now, Absolutely. right? Which Absolutely. we can say this with certainty, that with you being here, as Andrew referenced, Man, like his desire for you is that you would engage the people of Carrollton and this yeah. campus Absolutely. with the gospel, right? Absolutely. Like this is a door that has been opened to you. Absolutely. And so um, I think we see the benefits of obedience to God's call in just a few verses. Yeah. And so what does that look like for us, yeah. right, practically? So so I would say to, to keep going with this practical deal here is that we should – you should be asking daily, God, what do you got for me today? Where do you want me to go today? What do you, who do you mean to talk to today? As, as broadly as I'm going to be on mission at my campus or at yeah. my job, but then as specific as, you know what, in my, in that, in that, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, nine thirty class, 
you know, who in that class can I begin to engage, like practically, you know, like the guidance of God always will lead us according, uh, will always lead us rationally. Like God does what he does and leads us as he's doing this in Paul and these guys' lives with order and rationale based on what? His sovereignty, what he's doing broadly in the world. Yeah, then it's not new, right? This isn't anything that's new. We see a great example uh, in the Gospels of Jesus sending his disciples into specific areas to to follow this guy with a water jug who's going to have a donkey, a place prepared. Like, I mean, we see there is order and there's there's purpose. And so I think that, yeah, man, that's so important to consider God's purpose and his plan and his sovereign will. Absolutely. I read a book have read it several times and talked to it this summer with some students at our church by Kevin DeYoung called Just Do Something. And he tackles this in this book of like, you know, we, we, we get up every day and, and then we, we, we ask in different seasons of life, God, what's your will? What do you want me to do? And when God's word tells us what God wants us to do. Yeah. <clears throat> but, to, but to take that a step further is, and I see it, then we see it here, like, like there are times where you're going to have to say, God, where do you want me to go? Like maybe after West Georgia, where do you want me to move? Where do you want me to leverage my life for the gospel? Or tomorrow on Thursday, how can I leverage my life for, for the gospel? Specifically, and in that book, he he says that there's some things that God uses to guide us: His Word, He uses uh, wise counsel, mm. prayer, and then um, you know, just hey, like the gumption to do something, like yeah. to to engage that person, to to strike up a conversation. So, so let's clarify those three things a little bit, okay? So we need to be <laughs> engaged and interacting with. God's word, yes. right? In order to receive <laughs> yes. clarity on these yes. specific things, we need to like be talking, asking yeah. questions right. to those who the Lord has brought into our lives, yeah. right? To yeah. provide godly counsel and wisdom. And so if you don't have that, you need to, you need right. to have someone that you could, the temptation as, you know, 20, 21 year old college students is to feel like you know everything and can make every decision based on like your experiences up into this point, which is really foolish, right? Just to be like perfectly frank, I can say it because I did it, right? And so like we who are those? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> who are those people that you're able to go and ask, hey, what what does this look like? Like what would you do here? Like what did you know how what have you learned? What's God yeah. say? Yeah. And then the last one is to act. You gotta do something. Right? To just, just do, do it. Like right. to do yeah. something. Yeah. Right? And like and, and you know there's another I guess we would I get, we can add one more to this to say like, hey, be encouraged that God will lead you, that he will work through your life. And yeah. as we see here with this Macedonian call and them going and speaking the word that God will – God uses – us uh, miraculously how and why we'll never understand but the good news is that if we will avail ourselves to go y'all he sends us out that's not a question he will use us Mm -hmm. and and it is um we talk about it in our church a lot man just like evangelistic joy you know like some of you guys got an opportunity friday with a great exchange through the bcm to go out on campus and share the gospel we begin to engage people with the gospel and like you know do ministry and just leverage our lives for the Lord. Like, man, it's hugely encouraging that yeah. God uses that. And we, we see that in this passage, this which is really sense. cool. We go to this. Everybody feel all right? All right. Well, let's go to the last section. Then, yeah, I think so. Which is where, I don't know, the fireworks really start going off, um, I think. Verses 11 through 15, we see, we do see why God 
sends them there. To this place as opposed to that's that right. Place. That as as Kirk said, that he he apparently was preparing hearts, you know, for the work of the gospel. Listen to verse eleven. They they set sail from Troas. We made direct uh, voyage um, to Somathras. Kirk and our our. No, you're going to say, say all of these. You're going to say all of them. And um, and they eventually they eventually get to Philippi. Um, Roman colony, verse thirteen. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, um, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. Now, just a side note: that song, like I went down to the river to pray, like this is where it comes from. Anyway, um, verse fourteen. One who heard us from was a woman named Lydia, uh, from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods. Man, she's a she's into fashion. <laughs> the OG fashion. She, but, but she was also a worshiper of God. Um so we got this woman who who um uh she was from the city of Thyatira, but she's in Philippi, right? So she's on business, right? Um, so I heard somebody say one time she's probably she's got a house in Philippi and like I mean a store. She got a, a dress shop in Philippi and a and a, and a house in Thyatira. But like like Lydia is apparently wealthy, no joke. Like she's dealing purple, you know, like. Uh, clothes, threads, whatever. So, I mean, we got we got we got Lydia, who is a, a wealthy woman, um, and we're gonna see the contrast between a slave girl next who comes to the gospel, and then a Philippian jailer. The diversity of <laughs> yeah, the church at Philippi, exactly. Is a beautiful it, thing. it is, and there's a lesson to be learned here that the gospel's not uh, prejudice, right? That the gospel knows no um, no limits to to its application. Yeah. Um, but listen to this. It gets so good. She was a worshiper of God. Um, and immediately says, the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was said by Paul. And after she was baptized in her household as well, she urged them saying, look, y'all stay with me. Um, but man, what a beautiful picture of, of Lydia's conversion that she is just there and hears the gospel and the, the eyes of her heart are opened yeah. to to believe and to be baptized and she shares her faith with her house apparently and they're all baptized. I mean like we got household salvation going on with this woman who hears the gospel and believes. Yeah. So I don't know, man. Start unpacking this. What all do we got here? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean there's a there's a, a lot, right? There's um there's this realization that we start with that it is the Lord who goes before us, right, and begins the work, right? And so we, we've got this informing of why bypass Asia and go to Macedonia. Yeah. There, like you talk about practically for us, like as you're considering, okay, how do I begin engaging practically and intentionally people in my community and spheres of influence with the gospel? We can do so joyfully and confidently because there is this understanding that is 
birthed from the pages of Scripture that the Lord goes before, right? right? right. That he is already yeah. working there in Macedonia, and so go to Macedonia, yeah. right? Um, and so there's that portion, and then so it's that the Lord goes before and he prepares hearts, and then like our understanding of salvation and yeah. how this happens yeah. is informed by this passage as the Lord not only prepares hearts, yeah. But he opens hearts. Let me say one more thing about that whole where's God working and, and go. So so before we get into how people are saved, which is passage tells us about Kirk said, I should be looking or I should I should believe that God's working before me so that when I go and I share the gospel over I, I go with boldness and confidence that God's working before them. I want to add one more thing to that, another branch off that tree, <clears throat> that we should look, and this is not original, this is an old, uh, this old thing from a book called Experiencing God um, by, by Blackaby, but he says we should look for where God is working and, and go, go there. there, you know, yeah. and there's, there's, that's another truth that sits aside the fact that God is working, but as you think about how you can use your influence, like, hey, if you see somebody or, or you see a, a situation to where it seems like the soul is good, mm-hmm. man, like, go there, right? Yeah. Like, the, the parable of the souls is so helpful as we think about gospel ministry and, and who we're taking the gospel and how we're sharing. Mm-hmm. Like, man, if there's an opportunity to move somebody to the right, closer to Christ, who's already over towards the right, man, take that. Where's God working, go get in it. The Ethiopian eunuch is a great example of that, right? There's this, there's this realization, and then this action that results. So, so I just wanted to add that in. So, so now we do see how God, how God saves people, right? We talked about those two, our two resources tonight, help us in this. But, but we we get here that you know what, like um, we're going to see that that Lydia is not like everybody else. She's not from this place that she's at. Like she's uh, but, you know, she hears the gospel and is, is saved. Yeah. So uh, let's understand the condition of the human heart, right, naturally, that it is that it is hard, that it is wicked, right, that it is evil. It's made of stone and it's closed to the things of God, right? And so think about the way that our understanding of the condition of the human heart um, – informs the confidence and our reliance on the Lord to do a work as we go, right? It it removes uh, understanding that it's the Lord who does the work in the heart, removes all of the pressure, right, from you and from I to do anything other than faithfully, like, present the good news and the hope of the gospel, right? Because we don't do the work, right? Like, we desire to be obedient to the work that God has called his people to, but the work of salvation is a work of the Lord. Like, he opens the heart, right? And Paul gets that, right? I mean, he understands that, and that's why there's this, you know, hey, I'll go where the Lord has me, and I'll continue to share the same and proclaim the same news that I have been, and and then the Lord does this incredible work. Yeah, we see that what was decided at the Jerusalem Council, that look, that that the work of the Lord is enough for salvation. Lo and behold, we see on the ground happening in the conversion of Lydia, the slave girl, and the jailer in Acts chapter 16. So, man, just a beautiful picture of how it is the Lord's work and salvation. And we said this this morning, that does that not then change, as Kirk's already mentioned, the boldness with which we go, but how we go prayerfully. 
Yeah. I think this has to inform how we pray for um, our evangelistic efforts, how we pray for God to to save those lost people in our lives and to, to do the work of salvation. I think it has to, it, it changes that, um, that we begin to, maybe it changes it to the, in the way that we just begin to pray that God would do it. Yeah. Because you're never going to ask God to do something you don't think that he has to do. Yeah. Right. Um, and I think this is another thing that I heard a number of years ago from, from Neil, again, Aubrey. When you begin to pray this way for people, it begins to transform your heart towards and about them, right? As you begin to, like tonight, leave this place and go home and, and, and ask the Lord, as we see from uh, verse 14 of Acts chapter 16, Lord, like open hearts, right? Like open hearts of, of people on campus, like as I engage them with the gospel, right? And my friends engage them with the gospel. As you begin to pray that, it's going to change the way that you care for and relate with and pursue after those people. Why? Well, because you've been praying for them, right? Like you've been praying for the lost on campus that the Lord would open their hearts, right? right? And so God begins to do a work in us through prayers like that that that, that change the way that we care for those around us. Yeah, yeah. So, so here's what we said from this, this issue of Lydia, that God is the one who does the work of salvation in lives. It's not Paul. It's not Timothy. It's, it's not anyone else but the Lord um, who does this work. This informs how we pray in in the work of evangelism. We pray for God to do the work. Um, it informs what we do, though, as well, right? That God uses us as his messengers because who's the other player in this game? Well, it's Paul. What's he doing? He's speaking the gospel. He is um, proclaiming the gospel. So it informs what we do, right? That we are to to share the gospel and the gospel alone. Um, this encourages us. We talk a lot about one-to-one Bible reading that, like, look, the best way to do evangelism is to begin reading the Bible with people, to speaking the word um, over people's lives and, um, and and pray for God to, to do the work. Um, it informs who can be saved, I think. You know, not only um, is this... The first, the first salvation on European soil in Acts, but it comes by way of a rich woman, which is is odd for um, probably a lot of people. You know that God is doing the work among all people, um, and um, in all places. We don't just have this this Jew Gentile deal, this male female deal, this rich poor deal. Right? Like, man, the gospel the gospel is not uh, as we said; it's not prejudice, and it's available. To all, yes, yeah. that's beautiful. And I think, I think also we see how the gospel transforms a life. That Lydia goes back, she begins to share immediately evangelize those that are closest and, to her and baptized. Yeah, she obeys him with baptism. She begins to evangelize her family, and then she opens her house for, for these guys to stay in. Right, that's what I mean, she uses right? her home for on mission, man. I mean, so um, again, I don't think we're reading too much into that to go, this woman reacts in some really clear um, uh, obedience that that you see, man, you know what? It was, in fact, the Lord who's done a work in her life, and she's very different. Now. Yeah, I think that we can say, I think a lot of times we avoid this, like, obedience thing, right? Because we go, we, we, we put a mask over it and call it legalism and really just try to avoid it. Yeah. But I think that what we see is the mark of a regenerate heart is a desired obedience, yeah. right? Yeah. And so I think the question that we have to begin asking is, like, what does our desired obedience to, like, the the 
statutes of the Lord or the testimonies of the Lord, what does that look like? Like, is that present or is it not, right? If there's no desired obedience, like we see produced here in Acts chapter 16 from a regenerate heart in our lives, then we have to begin asking, like, man, is our heart regenerate? Absolutely. So again, through all of this, through <clears throat> through Acts chapter 15, Acts chapter 16, we're seeing the Spirit continue to do uh, His work among uh, His people who are trying to be obedient, trying to carry out this work um, to, to advance the gospel, to uh, advance the church, to show the power of God by way of the Spirit through, through this proclamation, obedience. And we see it in different ways. We see it with the, the Lord working through the Jerusalem Council, continue mission, um, conversion of Lydia, Master, I mean, just all over the place. Um, that leads us then to ask the question tonight, as we close, like, what is what is right obedience? We've seen God's power. We've seen, um, again, the, the advancement of the gospel. We've seen obedience. So, so how do we respond to these things? How do how do we respond to what we've seen in Acts chapter fifteen um, and sixteen tonight? So maybe we maybe we address that as we close. What do we do? What do you do? Um, how does this look different for you as Kirk um, having, I don't know, having come in contact with Acts 15, 16? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that it always, uh, this isn't a cop-out, right? But it, it always leads me to, personally, this desire for greater intimacy with the Lord, right? Um, for greater communion with Him. Um, in light of what he has done for us, right, which then encourages, um, we can talk about obedience specific or we can talk about obedience more general, right? It encourages us, a, a communion with God encourages us towards obedience to him. In this particular passage, it looks like a, a uh, an awareness of like what he is doing, right? A desired awareness, Lord, what are you doing? What do you desire to do um, in me and, and, and through me in this community? Um, it, a desired, uh, you know, um, uh, direction, right? And then I think just a, a right response, gospel response in whatever we do, right? Proclamation and sharing, whatever that looks like. Here, Paul's a, a missionary, right? And so for him, like it's it's pretty specific. But as a, as a pastor, right? Like what does it look like to live in obedience to the Lord, right? Um, I mean, that's a lot. That's all over the place. You guys are like, I don't even know what you just said. Um, but... <clears throat> to, to, to know God more, um, to to love God more, and to submit to God more. Right, yeah. yeah. I was saying about, you know, and I think this is true for all of us, that there's a degree to which we read this tonight, and we should be encouraged. We should be encouraged that God is doing what he's doing, and he's using us to be a part of it. Mm. Um, I think that we should respond with right belief as mm. to the Jerusalem council and to the salvation of Lydia of how God is saving people. Um, so our theology is informed tonight. Mm. Um, and then also, again, we, we have to say that, that the, um, the call to, to leverage our lives for the gospel is once again on the line tonight and <clears throat> challenging us to do just that, to say where you are, um, what's the gospel 
and and how do I obey it? Yeah, and it's taking it where you are. Yeah, um, and letting letting nothing get in the way, right? Not letting self, not letting your culture be a stumbling block, but um, but being faithful to the Lord and and sensing where He wants you to go, right? Where is He guiding you? Where is He opening doors and closing doors? Where is He working that you can go to and be a part? Um, how are you in his word? How are you praying? How are you guiding, getting counsel? Mm. I mean, like, we've talked about so much tonight um, that we could talk about responses for days. But um, but have some, right? Yes. Like, have yes. Some, like yes. wrap your arms around some response to what we see in Acts 16. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then so, do it. Very good. Well, let's pray the Lord to help us to do this as we close. Yeah.